Welcome to the Pleasure Seeker Podcast. I'm your host, Lydia Feldman, sex and pleasure coach, and this podcast is here to remind you of your natural birthright as a pleasure seeker so you can go create your most turned on life. Mamas, if you're ready to stop riding in the backseat of your own life, listen on. Hello, my friends. I just finished a fantastic training about how to have a hot marriage. And it got a lot of great response. So I thought I'd make a podcast for you in case you missed it. Although if you'd like the replay of the live training, head over into my Facebook group, The Electric Ladies Lounge, and you can watch the full recording there for the visuals and amazing effects. <laughs> um, so my question to you is, do you think your marriage is hot? Is that even possible? 10 years, 12 years, 15, 15, 30 years into marriage. Can you still have a hot marriage? So on a scale of one to 10, like one being like damp firewood with no smoke, no heat, no flames. And, you know, then you've got the wispy smoke, the kindling, the warm smolder, the crackling fire, the like raging hot campfire, and then a, a wildfire. Um, that's 10. <laughs> How, where are you on a scale of one to 10? Where's your marriage? Where's your sex life? And it may not seem like much of a problem, so no big deal either way. But if you want a hot marriage, if you feel compelled to heat things up for yourself, just notice if you're living in the wet, damp wood down at like zero and you want to schedule some sexy date night and are hoping for a nice raging campfire, um, that's a, a big a big shift for that little campfire to make in a fast turnaround. Totally possible. But this podcast is going to help you heat it up a little so you can keep yourself at a warm smolder. So when you're ready to add the fire, it's the firewood, it, it just goes up. You're fine. Nice and warm. So I'll just say, you know, I've been married for nine years, almost 10. And we've been together for about 13 years. And I do believe a hot marriage is more than possible. And just like marriage is a decision every day, you decide to be with this person, not just by default because it's way harder than separating, but it's a decision, an active, conscious coupling with your partner. And guess what? Having a hot marriage is the same exact thing. It's a decision. Now, the difference is people will think a hot marriage is like chemistry and it's out of your hands. And once your body changes and once he gets old and fat and, you know, after two years, you're just not going to have it. Ten years, forget about it. You're just going to be pecking each other to death. <laughs> old nags. Um, that's just that's just a, a set of beliefs that I just think is not worth it. 
This is totally a decision and um, one that you can undecide right now. So the three areas that I want to kind of focus you on today are just yourself, your like your thoughts about yourself, your thoughts about him, and your thoughts about the two of you together, married together. And just recognize that you are worthy of a hot marriage, a hot body, a pleasured body full of imagination and full of vibrancy. And that he, your partner, is forever attractive in this moment as a choice where you can direct your brain to see how he is your most well-suited match should you choose to want to pursue that. And then your thoughts on marriage, like your marriage is a sanctuary, a safe haven, a fuel for your life. And that brings you courage and a greater sense of self and that your sex life within your marriage helps you connect to your deeper self. And that your marriage is more than the sum of its parts. The two of you together, the, the moments where, the, where you are literally in each other's space can be a catalyst for something so much bigger and greater. So we all know there is a freaking marriage crisis all around us. It's a pleasure crisis. People are mess, you know, like making a mess of all of these things (laughs) and, um, for better or for worse, like we get into marriage maybe for the wrong reasons or different reasons. And then I'm not, um, against divorce, but just, we, I think as a culture, um, collectively agree that marriage will, you know, like the status quo for marriage is that it will get boring. Your husband's job is to make you happy to make you um, laugh and feel beautiful and make great money and all the things that whatever expectations we put on our partners. And if those are unmet, leaving the marriage is so much more of an option. It's an easier option these days, Um, especially if it's like everything is great, but I'm just not attracted to him. The sex is pretty lame. Maybe that's a reason to ditch it altogether. So we just get to decide what what we want from our own marriages. And that's really not to say that divorce isn't ever the answer, but if you want a hot marriage, don't let your own barriers get in the way. Your honeymoon phase doesn't have to be over. Women don't need to settle for a pitiful libido, get dried up, never have their needs met, orgasm just isn't as important. We all get fat and unsexy. It's all the midlife crisis is normal. Affairs are probably just going to happen. And then you get divorced. It's just whatever it is, like your status quo of what marriage is in America or in our culture, our world, you get to redefine that for yourself. So I want to talk about what a hot marriage is is and by kind of framing it by what it is not like where we think the problem is and where we get distracted from where our real empowered work can be within our marriages so (laughs) i'd like to just 
offer you the analogy of a greenhouse. Now, if you could imagine, like if you're following me on Instagram, which you definitely should at Mrs. Fel, uh, at Mrs. Lydia Feldman, um, it's like, I'm all about these like tropical lush plants. I just, oh, they give me so much joy. I love the plants, the planties. And so I got this image of, you know, your marriage is like a greenhouse. And when, before you get married, you may have this Pinterest board of lush botanical garden greenhouses that you envision your marriage will be like beautiful and curated and just full of life. And you have no idea how to tend a garden. You never had a greenhouse before, but you're pretty sure it's amazing and want to get married ASAP. And so your marriage is like the greenhouse, the container, the space in which you fill up. And that alone is just a building, right? And everyone's building is going to be a little different and pretty cool building. It's all glass, it's maybe cool, ornate, wrought iron. Um, but you are the gardener and the plants inside your marriage, inside your greenhouse represent the health of your relationship. So you just got married. You just opened the doors. You're in your honeymoon phase. You walk into the first chapter of your marriage and that's your greenhouse. And it just greets you with this tropical lush smell and everything is perfect. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, all of a sudden these like, you know, yellow leaves start showing up and they're, they've got these crispy brown spots on there. And things are starting to wilt in a weird way. Everything's drying out. And you're like, oh, God, dear Lord. Okay, what is wrong? There are problems. We are having problems here. And you go into turbo. I need to fix this symptom, this crispy brown leaf. And you start just dousing it with water, fertilizer. You see some bugs. You start killing the bugs. And things just start getting worse. The plants are less happy. They're, they're getting spindly and weird. And now it's winter and the heat's on and your greenhouse is drying out, getting blasted with hot air. And you're just overall confused and sad and frustrated. And maybe you wonder, A, I can just close my eyes and just hope it will all resolve itself. This is you just kind of putting your head down and not looking at anything, even though you know these problems are building and the anxiety of them are building don't want to look at my sex life. I don't want to look at this. It's just ah, make it go away. Then there's a thought, maybe I should just, it would be better just to abandon ship altogether, get a whole new greenhouse. Marriage is unnatural. I can't handle it. This is the wrong person for me. And whether you're settling with that or you're trying to get out of that, um, just noticing your brain is like going off. It's like fix the problem. Fix or ignore the problem, the stretch marks, the weight gain, the kids, the sleeping through the night, better vacations, new underwear, all this actioning to try and create desire, to try and reconnect the attraction with the energy that can heat it all back up again, to reconnect and to get back to that beautiful, fresh, lush honeymoon phase. And the thing is, your greenhouse is always evolving. And so it, you can't ever really get back to that initial feeling or context of your honeymoon. 
but you can keep evolving that energy in your marriage that's hot and vibrant. And all the things that you think are problems, maybe your weight gain, the kids, the low libido, that's like the the bugs and the dead leaves and the broken windows. They're not, they're actually just a normal part of every single garden. So we go trying to like fix it all, but really it's there. None of them are a problem because the problem is not out there. It's not the things it's the quality of gardener that you are. It's like your brain. So the, the problem and the solution are within you. It's your brain, your awareness, and your ability to create desire. And that's what makes you an amazing fucking gardener, loving, proactive, observant. And if your partner, your husband is like off in left field, you know, breaking windows in your, you know, greenhouse, he may need to learn a thing or two from this kind of growth that you are willing to go through as a gardener. So, you know, we can't control the other people in our marriage, but you can show up in a different way and tend your garden in the most loving, most abundant, lush way that your greenhouse will change. It's impossible that it won't change. And then you can invite your partner to change with you. So you control the light, the humidity, the temperature, the fertilizer, the pest control, and ultimately your steam in your greenhouse comes from loving your plants, loving your marriage, deciding to pay attention and deciding to create this lush landscape without forcing or bemoaning the plants or making them be anything other than just alive. And you get to partner with that process. So your hot marriage starts with you and you get to decide what hot means. So it's not me to say your marriage is hot or not hot. It's not even your husband who can say your marriage is hot or not hot because you get to decide. You get to observe and see what you are feeling because honestly, they may have a totally different interpretation of what's happening in your sex life. And then you get to navigate back and create an even hotter phase of your relationship because it's different now than it was 10 years ago, perhaps. So if you want a hotter, more erotic connection, more desire, passion, trust, love, and at the very least, not to dread sex, then the first part is just allowing yourself to know where the problems are. It's like if you were in the greenhouse, it's not the bug that's necessarily the problem. It's not this yellow leaf. You got to kind of lift up the plant, inspect the roots, shake things out, and be willing to get a little dirty. So the problem is in our brain, the root of the problem. Thoughts about us, thoughts about him, and then thoughts about your married relationship together. So let's start with, you know, the thoughts about ourselves. So and the in the beginning, without any intention, your thoughts may be like, I'm not turned on. That's a fact. It's just an observation. My body is tired and old and hormonal and kind of busted. And there's nothing I can do about it. I've tried everything. And 
I'm also stuck in this anxiety guilt cycle where I'm just hoping that sex can fix some things in me or in him. Then you have thoughts about him, like he's the problem, he's irritating, he's gained weight, he doesn't get it, he's emotionally insensitive, he's an asshole, all all the thoughts wrapped up there. And then there's the thoughts about the two of you together and just the idea of marriage, that maybe it's just lackluster, it's a crappy institution, we're like water and oil, and we're just trying to recreate the past. And none of this is working, right? Because You want to, it's like you end up trying to fix the things that fix your body, fix him or fix marriage. And it gets you stuck in these just actioning, actioning, more sex, scheduling it, new sex toys, spicing it up. Maybe there's new porn, trying to lose weight, get surgery, make him change, go on different vacations, retreats, um, therapy, divorce. And you go through all these actions trying to feel better. But the thing is, our feelings come from our thoughts, not our actions. Our thoughts are creating our feelings. Our feelings are driving the actions. So your thought, we're not having enough sex, too much sex, the wrong kind of sex, the kids are the problem, the weight gain, the snoring, all of those are just thoughts. And then your actions coming from the anxiety or the angst that something is wrong, that your garden and greenhouse is dying and everything has to be repotted, like that anxious flurry to create something hot is never going to work because you're going at it backwards. You're like trying to fix the problem that is actually just in your head and going right to the source is to what you're thinking first before doing all the actions. So your brain, in order to get turned on and heat up your your marriage, has to activate your imagination and your body will follow. It's like creatively thinking of different ways to think about your body, about him, and about you two together. And this is really just a way to be flexible in your brain. It's like you're creating like muscle brain flex. How can I think about this differently to create something different in my body? Desire, trust, connection. So let's break it down. Those three categories, you, him, and the two of you together. And I want you to think that we can use paradoxical thinking to keep things interesting. So a paradox is, it's like holding two truths at the same time in your head. So, you know, it's like, I love my kids. Parenting is amazing. It's so fun. And it's the hardest, most suffering, horrible job in the world. (laughs) Or it's like the greatest joy and the greatest suffering. And it's all bound up. And you can feel both at the same time. So when you think about body, like yourself, your thoughts about you, your body, your like bones, your flesh, your pleasure, what feels good, what you desire, what you want, and how you put it all into practice, I want you to think about it like this. Number one, decide. You, the very first thing is that you just decide I want to feel better. 
I want to feel better. I want to feel more pleasure, more love. And then you deliver that to yourself. You go to work to find how are you already good at pleasure. And if you haven't listened to um, the Desire Bank podcast, then check that out. I think it's four, um, episode four. But it's like, you. where are you putting your pleasure? And can you focus that into your body on a deeper level? So this is how I want you to do this. So without having to change your body, without having to blame your body, like definitely not blaming your body or being like your hormones are off, you know, you need to lose the weight and punishing yourself for your body, who you are. I want you to look like make a profile for yourself. And I think of it as like a, your pleasure profile. What do you like? What feels good? And you know, you can do this on a basic level, kind of like the pleasure matrix, basically the pleasure matrix, which we, I talked about in the first episode, um, the pleasure seeker, the first episode, pleasure one-on-one. But when you think about your erotic pleasure, your sexual pleasure profile, what's physically and sexually turns me on when I take charge of my pleasure, my orgasm, the pace that I like, the self-care that I want and need, my health, what starts coming up for you? So right now, I want you to make a list and just think about where you're getting your pleasure. So if you're thinking about just your body, your anatomy, like what parts of your body are the most erogenous, like you're to touch on your body. And if you're present and aware of that, what context works within that? Like, you know, touching your shoulder, if you're putting lotion on, might not feel erogenous, but it might feel better when you're really relaxed and your brain is open to erotic pleasure. So same thing, paradox here too. It's like, I love my body and it's not a problem that I want to lose weight. I love sex in the shower and I rarely want it. Let it be normal that you feel amazing and hot one minute and then just a mess the next. That's all fine. Because as you notice what you like, your profile, like if you had a manila folder and you're like cataloging all the things that you love and like, there might be opposites in there and that's okay. So you go to work to amplify what your body already responds so well to and noticing the thoughts that create that response. I like this. I want this. This feels good. Sometimes it's a super basic thought, but noticing when you start to feel turned on. Literally, people, last night I'm standing in the kitchen. Jeremy is putting the kids to bed, and I walk into the kitchen and he had cleared all the dishes, put it was like a beautiful kitchen, super clean. And he had left these cookies out to eat, like saved them after the kids had gone to bed, like store-bought little cookies. And I got that. I was like, this is so interesting. I am turned on by this sexy man who washes dishes and sneaks chocolate chip cookies for me. So it, you can just notice it, it like it takes you paying attention and just, just being open to the things that you want to be turned on by. Okay. So thoughts about you 
thoughts about him. So there's your body, totally perfect, doing its thing. You're mining yourself, your memory, your all the things that turn you on, your fantasy, all of that. I'm going to do a whole nother episode on fantasies, but for now, just keep track, right? What's turning you on? And then your thoughts about him. Oh, I should say your thoughts that turn you on about yourself and the thoughts that are the major roadblocks in the way. Just take note of those because those are the thoughts that block you from more pleasure. And when you think about thoughts of him, like you've already kind of thought of all the things that are the problems you think he needs to change to feel for you to feel more desire. But your this is where you get to just decide. Same thing. You're going to decide and then make a profile. Decide, I am all in. Am I willing to be all in? Am I willing to love him and want him? all of him as he is without him having to lose weight or be a different person, have a different personality, a different sense of humor, um, communicate more verbally, have these expectations met. If he takes the, you know, trash out on Fridays, then I'm going to love him. So without all of the expectations, can you love him as he is? Are you willing to go there really? And With this, let's invite paradox again, that you may feel love for him and security and warm and snuggly. And yes, I want to like cuddle with him, but maybe you don't have as much desire as you want. And you want that, that steam and the heat again, and noticing love and security loves that calm peace, knowing that that is the grounding part. And that's why that's what you're seeking before you get married, before you have that, like, ah, we're in it together. We're partners. And that gives that calming, right? But desire loves intrigue. Desire loves the thrill of the chase, loves the, the not knowing and mystery. So we want to be able to create that paradox when you think about him that you know so much and he's still a mystery. There's security, comfort, and surprise. There is pleasure and there's pain. And that's okay. It's not a problem. You deeply understand him and accept him and you challenge him and confront him. You have both. And so you get to then take responsibility for how you are thinking about him. So when you do his profile, so you got a profile on yourself, you decide to be all in and make a profile on him and paying attention to all the things you already know, that you are an expert on him. You know everything, fucking know everything. You know how he likes his eggs, how he likes his coffee, how he likes to be touched in the morning. When he's stressed out, what does he need first? Does he need time alone? Does he need to go run? Does he need to have time just to um, do a physical activity? Are you part of that picture? Um, What are his favorite parts to be touched on his body? What are his favorite parts on your body? How does he love, you know, 
being in bed with you? What are his fantasies? If he had an extra thousand dollars, what would he go spend it on? You are the expert and you know everything. Okay. So you can take pride in this. And from that place, write a hot letter to him, an erotic, hot, steamy letter of all the things you love about him. And then paradoxically, you do not know everything. He is a mysterious stranger in so many ways. You don't know what he's thinking. You don't know why his brain works the way it does. There's this black hole of not knowing this dark fantasy world that he has. And you get to be the same curious, observant woman that is watching that is paying attention, that is curious and loving and full of surprise, waiting to just um, learn more. You're the sexy sleuth, okay? And these two, like that combination of knowing and not knowing sets you up to always be open and engaged, that you're not um, expecting everything. You're expecting it and you're waiting for like the new information to come in. So the third area where often there's, you think there's the problem is marriage or the two of you together. And that, that first part is you just noticing what you're thinking and what you're creating with your thoughts, your thoughts on marriage, the status quo of what you might be settling for or resistant to. And what you want your marriage to be. So it's kind of just noticing your thoughts and noticing what uh, you want differently. So right now, what does marriage mean for you? Just start musing in your brain. What, what's coming up? How are you two together in marriage? Like, Is it a little stagnant? Is it a little boring? Is it predictable? Is it fraught with up and down roller coaster? So once you make that decision, I'm in it. I'm willing to go through it. I'm willing to go beyond the contract of co-parents and roommates that I want to be an independent woman, fully turned on, coming into this marriage, ready to create love, fun, playfulness, deep restoration together and that my bedroom and my marriage is a refuge. It's a place for me to come and restore and replenish and give to my husband as well. So just like the other categories, we create a paradox of connection and distance. So connecting is so important. I want you to think are, how connected are you two? Like face-to-face -face conversations free from screens or other people or distractions where you get to clear the space. So in your greenhouse, there's a bunch of crates kind of piling up and bags of dirt and bags of, you know, fertilizer. And your plants are just all of a sudden stacked on top of each other. And it's getting really crowded and messy. And in order to organize your space for the most optimal light and beauty, you have to work together to literally 
clear the air, clear the space, organize it. And so I like to think of this as time to just come together and be honest with each other and see what's going on for the two of you. So you connect. It's like you do that work in your head beforehand to clean up your thoughts about yourself, clean up your thoughts on him. And it makes it so much easier to come have a conversation that might feel vulnerable, that might feel risky or uncomfortable, or even just plain awkward uh, beyond just like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Okay, cool. Kids are picking up, you know, kids are doing this and that, and I need you to pay this bill. Okay. I'll see you later. (laughs) It's like to really see each other and to show up and listen, show up and be willing to speak your mind as well. Even if he might not take that, uh, the way you want him to. So that kind of intimacy is the gateway to actually creating deeper, hotter connection and sex. So of course you have to do the work beforehand to clean up your thoughts on yourself and him and be with him in order to allow something bigger to happen between the two. So it's like you are, you have this like telepathic connection. You're on the same page. And then I want you to imagine while you're super connected, like there's a string connecting the two of you, you're also going to play with your distance. So you're bound and you're working on creating space between the two of you. You know everything and yet he's a total mystery. So there's that, again, that desire, loves, novelty, mystery, the chase. You, there, there isn't a sense of stability or certainty. So it's like you can create that novelty, whether that's just alone time apart from each other, distance makes the hot heart grow fonder, or it's in the moment as well. Like you have distance, you don't know what's going to happen. And there is a newness that allows space for surprise and um, intrigue your mouth. Make it feel new. Feel your lips right now, like like your lips, literally right now. Over a million nerve endings here. And just notice when you're eating or drinking or brushing your teeth, what do you like about your mouth? The sensations in your mouth, not just the shape of your lips or what it might look like when you smile, but closing your eyes and being in the sensation of your mouth and lips. And then when you go to kiss, you are 100% curious and unexpecting. So you let it feel novel and new and your brain will start to fire up and you slow it down and you let it feel pleasurable, the little micro pleasures because you don't know there is distance. You don't know what his next move is going to be. And in this way, we create that electric hotness that doesn't come from a list of actions that you have to take. doesn't come from X, Y equals Z. X plus Y equals Z. It's like you have to be willing to turn your thoughts upside down a little bit, create paradox, create distance, knowing that you are always connected and your mind is on fire. It is full of rich, creative 
desire for one another. So this work, it could go, I could go on and on and on. And I've already taken a long time for this episode. <laughs> it's like 40 minutes. So if you want more, I want you to consider booking a consultation and working with a life coach, because it's almost like the difference of reading a book and sitting next to an author and page by page, you're going through that author's book and applying it to your life with the author next to you. So I invite you to reach out for a consultation. You can find it through my website, LydiaFeldmanCoaching.com, or send me an email, Lydia at Lydia Feldman Coaching, and I would love to hear back from you. Okay, everyone, go and ignite your marriages. It is your most creative place to refuel and rejuvenate, and it's just the most fun. So I will talk to you all soon. Hey, I'd love to hear from you and know what pleasure topics you want to hear more about. Also, you're invited to come join my free Facebook group and erotic book club, The Electric Ladies Lounge. If you're curious about one-on-one -on -one coaching, book a consultation and see how pleasure coaching can transform your life.